You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Like snow in summer, or rain in harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. Like a sparrow in its flitting, like a swallow in its flying, a curse that is causeless does not alight. A whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the back of fools. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Whoever sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. Like a lame man's legs, which hang useless, is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Like one who binds the stone in the sling is one who gives honor to a fool. Like a thorn that goes up into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Like an archer who wounds everyone is one who hires a passing fool or drunkard. Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. The sluggard says, There is a lion in the road. There is a lion in the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Whoever meddles in a quarrel not his own is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I am only joking. For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Like the glaze covering an earthen vessel are fervent lips with an evil heart. Whoever hates disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart. When he speaks graciously, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred be covered with deception, his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and a stone will come back on him who starts it rolling. A lying tongue hates its victims, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Welcome back to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This, of course, is yours truly, Garrett Ashley Mullet, hoping to do a good community service in recording these podcasts for you. Hopefully they are a benefit to you and encouraging and thought-provoking, and not foolishness and not whispering of strife kindling. But this is the day after Christmas, December 26, 2021, episode 287 of this podcast. We're coming up on 300 episodes. And I did a thing yesterday, yesterday being Christmas. I did something I did not think I was ever going to do and which I feel the need to unpack and process. 
and make sense of and be honest about and come to terms with. And that thing has to do with the family Christmas gift, which I bought for this year. I made the executive decision, for better or worse, if there's credit or if there's blame, it lies disproportionately or entirely at my feet. I purchased an Oculus Quest 2 VR headset, and you may or may not know, Oculus is owned by Facebook. At some point in recent years, Facebook decided to buy Oculus, and a lot of people scratched their head when this first happened, like, what in the world is Facebook going to do with virtual reality? They've already done quite enough with social media. It doesn't seem like a good fit. And apparently, as we have found out in recent months, the plan was to kickstart what is being termed the metaverse. The metaverse is perhaps a cheap marketing ploy, and there might not be anything more to it than what Elon Musk recently characterized as wearing a TV on your face. I don't see what wearing a TV on your face really does to change the world. But I'm not so sure we should dismiss the metaverse like that. Elon Musk might not be all that impressed or surprised or expectant, but I think there is more to the metaverse than Elon Musk is giving credit for. I'll put it that way. I think it won't necessarily be all that Mark Zuckerberg is saying and his company is saying. I think they, as always is the case, will fail to deliver on some of the things that they're hoping. But I also think they will deliver on some things that we're not expecting. They're not necessarily expecting. We're not necessarily expecting. And I think that virtual reality and augmented reality are going to be a major feature of life for the foreseeable future. More and more with each passing year, I think the technology is going to be developed to allow people to work remotely from home and be educated from home and have fun and interact socially from home in more and more immersive, comprehensive, all-encompassing ways. And as such, I am very concerned about being on the outside of that if I'm supposed to be on the inside of that. I'm concerned about my children having no exposure to that. I'm concerned that being a Luddite about it would mean that a significant part of public life is just not available. Being on the outside sometimes is necessary, as has been the case with public education for my family. We don't need to be in the public education system to know what it is, to know what we think about it, and to choose to do something different because something different is needed. Being on the outside is exactly what 
I did with regards to Facebook, November 25th, 2020. I was disturbed and disgusted with the censorship by Facebook and Twitter of conservative speech, of all dissenting opinion, really, during the 2020 election, through COVID, and in protest, and in more than protest, in hope that jumping off would contribute to coming up with a better social media experience and breaking the chains by which a lot of people's view of the world is bound to some wrong-headed thinking, I deleted my Facebook account and I encouraged everyone else to do the same. Now, I've been very careful each step of the way to say that was my conviction. I believed that was necessary. I couldn't in good conscience stay on the platform given the circumstances. And at the same time, I could understand and appreciate other people being on there, staying on there for valid reasons. Someone having a support group for a specialty interest or business pursuit or what have you on Facebook, not having any ability to move everything over for that community to some other alternative, they would have to either forego that support network entirely or stay on as they saw it. If their business was contingent on marketing and sales through Facebook and their whole customer base, their whole fan base was on Facebook and wasn't going to be willing to go with them wherever else they might go, they were stuck. And meanwhile, there were some other attractive options for social media, which seemed like if we all jump on those, we can make these successful. And it seemed like maybe that was going to happen. Parler was an alternative to Twitter. MeWe seemed like a valid alternative to Facebook. And I encouraged people to follow me over to those platforms. Fast forward a month and a half, and January 6th happens. Some people want to call it a riot, even though they didn't call actual riots all through 2020 anything more than mostly peaceful protests. I prefer to say January 6th and leave it at that. But January 6th happens in Washington, D.C., and Amazon Web Services uses that as pretext to kill Parler. Apple and Google also, and actually before Amazon, removed Parler from their app stores. The idea was we're going to destroy this alternative social media because it doesn't conform to our community standards, our online community standards. And it just so happens that they had the power over the internet to be able to effectively kill Parler. Now, Parler came back, as many will remember, and yet it didn't come back quite the same as it had left. It came back like a kind of shapeshifter in some fantasy novel, a shapeshifter which wears the same face as the person you used to know, 
but there's something off about them. There's something odd in the way that they talk and the way that they carry themselves and the way that they relate to you. And you can't quite trust them. That's what Parlor came back like. And so Parlor ceased to be a viable alternative to Facebook and Twitter as soon as the big tech giants decided that they were going to kill it. So also MeWe was so tame. It was so the opposite with everyone who did go to MeWe failing, I'm sorry, failing to post content to MeWe, failing to engage with content that was posted on MeWe, that quite frankly, MeWe is never going to be a replacement or a substitute for Facebook. It just isn't. MeWe is not the new Facebook. I hoped I I hoped that it would be. I was thinking it would be. And that did not turn out to be the case. And it it's not going to turn out to be the case. If it hasn't by now, if it didn't, January 6th through the present, it's not going to. And a big part of that has to do with self-censorship. I had maybe four or five dozen friends and family members who followed me over to MeWe and created accounts and never posted a darn thing and never commented or interacted on anything posted. And so it fizzled. It withered on the vine. It came to nothing. It came to naught. Now that said, what I've been doing in the past year and a month of not being on Facebook is building up my podcast to the point where I have recorded 222 and am presently actually recording 222nd uh, episodes of, I think, better and better content. I wouldn't say it's as good as I would like it to be, but it's getting better and better, and it's better now than it was this time last year. Out of 287 episodes total since this podcast was started, I've recorded 222 since January 1st of 2021. And I don't know that I would have, in fact, I'm fairly certain I would not have recorded as much content as I did over the past year were it not for getting off of Facebook. It was like a hamster wheel for me. And I did want to make a complaint and make a protest and jump jump off of there. I wanted to encourage other people to jump off of there so that we could make something else successful instead. And for whatever multiple reasons, some of which I think I know and some of which I'm sure I have no clue of, it just didn't work out that way. And so I still have my MeWe account and I still share episodes to MeWe, but it's very rare for anybody to engage those episodes. And when I look at WordPress statistics and I see what websites are referring traffic to my podcast, 
I don't see any referrals from MeWe. Now, that could be because everybody who was going to check out my podcast from MeWe is already subscribed. And anybody who wasn't going to subscribe to my podcast also isn't really inspired when they see episodes show up in their MeWe feed, if they even check their MeWe feed anymore. And most of them probably just flat don't. But I created a Facebook account again yesterday. And it bothers me in a couple of different directions, all of which I I need to figure out what to do with in order to have a good conscience moving forward. And in order to have a good name, put simply. For one thing, the catalyst. Primarily, first and foremost, my buying the Christmas gift that I did for my family in the Quest 2, wanting to see what this metaverse business is about in some measure, and for us to have an awareness of it, to have an understanding of it that's firsthand and not secondhand, that is neither the glowing fanboy review, uncritically embracing everything, or the reactionary rejection, which also can be written off and rejected in a reactionary way by the mainstream. You lose credibility when you're reactionary all the time and to say, well, I'm not going to have anything to do with that. Well, yeah, but you don't really understand what it is, right? That's the rejoinder that reasonable people reasonably come back with. If you're always coming to knee-jerk decisions on not participating. And so wanting to have this awareness, this firsthand experience of what the metaverse is or is going to be, I purchased the Quest 2 and it arrives and we wrap it and we put it under the Christmas tree, waiting for yesterday when we opened it, took it out, plugged it in. And even before we had opened it up, I was talking with my friend, Paul Pavlik, friend and pastor, Paul Pavlik. And I realized after I had ordered it that in order to actually use this online and be able to play it with other people and be able to actually do things with it, you're going to have to have a Facebook account because that's the way Facebook has set this up. They're using this as a way of drawing people into their other property again. In conjunction with rebranding Facebook Meta, they're using virtual reality and Oculus Quest to draw people in again. And if it worked with me, or if it was even something I was strongly considering, the thought occurred to me that it's going to work with a lot of other people too, and it's probably going to work as much as it needs to. So I weighed and I measured this for some weeks. What do I do? Right? Do I ask my wife to get a Facebook account again after I pressured her in, I think it was February, I, and I did. I'll, I'll be honest. I pressured my wife 
to jump off of Facebook with me because I said, I don't think it looks very good. <laughs> Quite frankly, it doesn't look very good that I jumped off of Facebook. I made this stand. I made this protest. I announced to everybody that I'm jumping off and here are my reasons. And this is a matter of principle. And we all need to do it. And my wife is still on Facebook. How does that look? She didn't realize at first that it was bothering me that much that she was still on there. She had valid reasons to still be on there, by the way. And I knew that, but I was still bothered that we weren't operating as one on this. I had had valid reasons for being on Facebook myself, not just getting in debates and arguments with people, but sharing content from the podcast, from the blog. I jumped off of Facebook a month and less than a week before publishing my first book. And if I had been on Facebook, Facebook would have been a right proper tool for marketing. And this is why we homeschool. And because I wasn't on there, I missed out on, I think arguably the prime advertising space right now. Whether we like it or not, Facebook Marketplace is where a lot of people buy and sell and trade. A lot of small businesses, a lot of starter enterprises, and a lot of big corporations, a lot of big entities use Facebook as well. Otherwise, they wouldn't be using it to control the flow of information as they did in 2020, certainly. I can't speak to this past year with 2021 having been a no Facebook, Facebook-free period for myself. But jumping off of Facebook in November of 2020, it really bothered me to think of getting back on for essentially a video game. That's how they get you. I am the dog returning to his vomit. I am the fool returning to his folly, I think to myself. And that might be true. <laughs> it may be true. And that thought is uncomfortable. And I don't like it. And I don't want it to be true. And so if it is true in any measure, I need to come up with something better. I need to have a better mindset. I need to have a better modus operandi. The more I think of it, the more I keep coming back to something I've said many times over the years, which is I'm not a big fan of boycotts. And my reasoning is this. Where do you draw the line? At what point do you say, this corporation, this store, this restaurant, this outlet, this organization is good enough for me. Now, there are definitely non-starters. There are definitely, I can't go there, issues which exclude any kind of interaction, any kind of affiliation. And also there's a question of cost benefit. Quite frankly, 
do I need to go to Burger King when we're on our way to some place and we realize it's lunchtime and there's five other options. Burger King has this advertisement where Ronald McDonald and the King, as in the Burger King, share a LGBTQ friendly kiss. And I think to myself, I just don't need to eat at Burger King that much anymore. I'm going to have indigestion, I think. Like, I'm not boycotting Burger King, but neither did that increase my appetite for Burger King, if that makes sense. For the exact same reasons, I would not choose Burger King if I can help it when we're traveling around, but I wouldn't go as far as saying I'm boycotting Burger King. If there's a Chick-fil-A right next door, and when we go through the drive-thru, the staff is friendly and cheerful and genuine, the customer service is excellent because it's their pleasure to serve, and they're closed on Sunday because they actually have some principles other than rabid wokeness, Chick-fil-A sounds really good. And the food is objectively good, but it's not just the food itself. It's like when you go to your grandmother's house for the holidays and she has made the dinner and the pies and all of that. And it isn't just that you like that casserole and you like that turkey or you like that ham or you like that cherry pie. It's that grandma made this and my grandma loves me. And this was made with love. And it tastes better because it was made with love. Maybe it's all in our heads, but there is something different in the way that it tastes. When the food has been prepared and served by somebody you know really cares about you, really loves you. And I would say Chick-fil-A tastes better for similar reasons to why grandma's home cooking tastes better. But on the flip side, what do you do when Walmart as a corporation with their Twitter account openly mocks a duly elected United States Senator for having objected to certifying the results of a presidential election? I'm sorry, did I miss something? When when did Walmart become a necessary participant in this conversation? And also, who's at the helm with Walmart's Twitter page right now if they're going to go sophomoric taunting a United States senator? What in the world? What kind of craziness is this? You just ruined my appetite for shopping at Walmart. But then, how do you not shop at Walmart? And again, where do you draw the line? Where do you say, hey, it is what it is. I don't like it. I don't approve of this. This is folly. This is whispering, stirring up contention, kindling strife. 
what they're doing is evil and wicked and stupid, and I want no part of it. But also, I need to buy groceries. So if Walmart stops being a place where we buy groceries, we all go over to King Supers instead. We all go over to Kroger instead. What do you do if the person in charge of King Supers' Twitter account is doing the same stuff? What do you do if Kroger Corporation is no better? Do you just starve? Do you just stop buying groceries? Do you just see what you can grow in your backyard? Or at a certain point, do you say, I don't like what they're doing. I don't agree with what they're doing. I don't affirm what they're doing. But in the absence of a better idea, I'm going to frequent their business anyway. And I'm going to hope that they repent. I'm going to hope that they get wise. I'm going to hope that they stop with the nonsense. Over the past year, I have been coming back again and again and again in my podcasting and just in my private thoughts to Jeremiah chapter 29. And actually, I think it was sometime in the past year that I stumbled across Jeremiah chapter 29 and I read it and I'm looking at verse 7 in particular where the prophet Jeremiah says to seek the welfare of the city to which Yahweh your God has brought you in your exile and he's referring to Babylon and he's addressing the Jews in the Babylonian captivity and then fast forward a few weeks or a few months and Jeremy Brownrigg at church shared a Charlie Kirk video in which he deep dives on the implications of Jeremiah chapter 29 for Christians engaging in the political process in this country. And I was struck by how open shut that is. Seek the welfare of the city, for one thing. That doesn't just mean if they agree with your theology, if they subscribe to your opinions, if they share your values, if they are always behaving themselves, if they're always honoring the Lord. Seek the welfare of the city in the Babylonian context means you're seeking the welfare of a city filled with pagan idolaters, people who don't know God. They don't worship or honor God. Yeah, seek the welfare of their city if God's brought you to it. If God's put you here under their power, love them. Love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for the peace of the city, Jeremiah 29 says also. Build houses, fill them with good things, take wives, have children, lather, rinse, repeat, seek the welfare of the city, increase and do not decrease. And so I ask myself, with regards to, let's say, Walmart, let's say Amazon, let's say Facebook. Imagine walking through your town, your city, during those 15 days to slow the spread when COVID really kicked off. It's early 2020. 
everybody's been told to stay home unless they're so-called essential workers. But the streets are reminiscent of a zombie apocalypse movie. Where is everybody? Somebody might say if they had just woke up from a coma like Rick Grimes. Where is everybody? Just then, dramatic music starts playing. A newspaper blows across the street. And you see one. A walker. Then come to find out, everybody's at home ordering their groceries from Amazon, ordering their groceries through Instacart from Walmart or Sprouts or Natural Grocers or King Supers, either for pickup or delivery to their house. Everybody's at home on Facebook and Twitter, watching movies on Netflix, binge-watching TV shows on Netflix and Prime Video. Everybody's got a TV strap to their head, as Elon Musk would say. Where is everybody? Oh, they're all in the metaverse now. What do you do then? How do you seek the welfare of the city when the city is on Facebook? How do you seek the welfare of the city when the city is buying and selling and trading all their goods on Facebook Marketplace and Amazon? You know, I just recently, and I've talked about this, and if it gets me into trouble, then I guess it was bound to happen sooner or later. But I have mentioned here over the past few weeks that I just recently started up a new job with Eagle Automation. And I don't know what the politics are of the people that own the company and run the company. It's kind of a side issue. But my client, my customer, my account is Chevron. And as such, part of getting plugged in and integrated and onboarded at Chevron was, oh, you need to set up a workplace account. Workplace is Meta. Workplace is Facebook, essentially. It's an internal company-wide Facebook. This is where HR sends out notifications and announcements and various managers and directors and corporate executives tell the company how we're doing and here's what we want you guys to be working on next and here's the vision. Here's the interview that the CEO did with CNBC and here's a charity project that we've got going on to provide relief for people who are victims of this disaster that just happened so on and so forth. And before I got the Oculus Quest, and we opened it up yesterday, I was already back on Facebook. In fact, actually, truth be told, I couldn't figure out, I'm embarrassed to say, I couldn't figure out how to delete my Instagram account. And guess who owns Instagram? I was going to. I was going to delete it. Perhaps it's for the best that I didn't, that I couldn't figure out how to. But that's the devil of it too. And I, I thought that to myself back when I jumped off of Facebook. Am I going to also jump off of YouTube? Am I also going to jump off of using any Google products, even though Google Maps is the best navigation app? It is. It's much better than Apple Maps. 
Google Maps is the best one that I've found anyways. Am I going to delete a WordPress account and not have a blog? Am I going to get off of Spotify and Anchor FM? Am I going to stop shopping on Amazon because of what Amazon Web Services did to Parler? Where do you draw the line? And also, biblically speaking, do you have a command, thus saith the Lord, which says you must have nothing to do with Facebook or Amazon or Twitter or Google? Is there some way of both objecting to what it is that these corporations are doing and why they're doing it, while at the same time pragmatically making use of their platform to do the maximum amount of good that you can to your friends and family, for your friends and family, seeking the welfare of the city to which Yahweh your God has brought you in your exile? Well, I would say yes, thinking about it for a year. It can't be worse than Babylon. And yet, if I look at the story of Daniel, for instance, the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, you have Daniel disobeying an order, a command, an edict, which his rivals in the Babylonian court have talked the king into issuing. This edict is that for 30 days, no one can pray to anyone except for the king. And anyone who does offer a prayer to anyone but the king for 30 days will be thrown to lions. So you will not just be put to death. You will be put to death in a terrifying, gruesome, horrifying way. Daniel disobeys the command. It is summarily reported to the king. The king realizes it was a setup. His hands are tied as he sees it. He can't lose face and make an exception. Otherwise, everything would unravel. And so Daniel is thrown to the lions. And God shuts the mouths of the lions. Daniel comes through unscathed, without a scratch. The king is very, very happy. Restores Daniel to his previous position of authority and throws all of the men who had conspired against Daniel, along with their families, to the lions. And the text doesn't record that Daniel quit his job and ran away. I can't work for somebody who's going to issue an edict like that in the first place. Maybe, just maybe, Daniel was led by the same spirit which inspired the prophet Jeremiah to write, to preach what he does in the 29th chapter of the book of Jeremiah. Seek the welfare of the city to which Yahweh your God has brought you in your exile. For that matter, I've referenced over the past year a few times Eusebius's The Church History or Augustine's City of God, both of which I finished this past year both of which I would highly recommend. Church history, church history is very important to understand. It's not as important as reading the scriptures firsthand. Study the scriptures first so you know what God's word says. First and foremost and always, study God's word. But Eusebius and Augustine both talk about, pretty candidly, 
the persecution of Christians under some of the pagan Roman emperors. And yet it strikes me that the Christians were good subjects. In fact, that's one of the chief rationales offered by Constantine and others when they roll back these persecutions, these relegations of Christians to second-class status within the Roman Empire. These Christians are good subjects. They are honest and forthright and hardworking. Why would we be persecuting them? In fact, declaring open season on Christians emboldens and empowers the worst sort in the empire who are happy to make a false accusation just so they can have a chance at grabbing the property of a Christian or taking the position of a Christian or taking the daughter or the wife of a Christian. We're empowering just the wrong sort and we're disempowering the good people we should be protecting. Christians throughout history, as they've been persecuted, as they've been censored, as they've been hounded by ascendant anti-Christian powers in the world, Christians have consistently had to go underground at various times, routinely. The end goal, however, has always been how best and where best can I serve the Lord my God? If God leads and guides us to go underground, then we go underground to the glory of God. And even just think of the Apostle Paul. Think of the book of Acts. You definitely have times where the apostles, as they're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, have to sneak out of the city because there's a warrant out for their arrest. You have times where the apostles are arrested and they're thrown in prison. And God sends an angel to open up the prison so that they can get out, so they can go back to preaching. And when God says, hey, sneak out the back, that's enough here. That's what you do to God's glory, by God's grace. And when God says, I want you to go back, I want you to go to Jerusalem. I want you to go there and you're going to suffer. Well, then that's what you do. When God says, I want you to appeal to Caesar to be taken so you can stand trial before the Roman emperor so that you can preach the gospel and make disciples in his own household, but it's going to cost you, you are going to be put to death in the end. Well, then that's what you do by God's grace to God's glory. And so I think two things can be true at the same time. I think it can be true that it was good and right and proper and that the Lord was pleased with my leaving Facebook, for instance, November 25th, 2020. Deleted my account. I didn't just temporarily deactivate it. I deleted it entirely. Downloaded everything, so I still have that on my hard drive old messages and notifications and pictures and videos and all that. And actually, for anybody who's not done that, I'll tell you, 
some of the information that they collect in the background, it's a bit creepy how much Facebook knows. But then again, where else are you, where, where are you going to hide, right? At a certain point, you have to hide in plain sight because there is no underground. There's either live here or die. And when God says it's time to die, well, then, okay, it's time to die. But if God is saying, go, then we go. And if God says, stay, we stay. Because at the end of the day, the point is not to be wise in our own eyes, as I read at the top of this episode. Proverbs 26, do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? Verse 12, there is more hope for a fool than for him. It would be all for the best if our approach to these things was not wise in our own eyes. If whether we stay or we go or choose to engage in this, that, or the other way, we were wise in our own eyes, we're hopeless. And I don't want to be hopeless. I don't want to be wise in my own eyes. If it's saying here that there's more hope for a fool than for someone who's wise in their own eyes, well, then I would rather take my chances that I'm a dog returning to his vomit and a fool repeating his folly. I would rather take my chances on that because I perceive that the Lord is leading in this direction. If I have to be a fool, well, then I want to be a fool who is following the Lord's leading and by God's grace will overcome. So I find myself, again, as I said, in possession of a Facebook account once more. And I'll be completely honest with you. Facebook is throwing up these recommendations for people that I might want to send friend requests to. And some of them I know. And it was easy. Oh, absolutely. I love that guy. I haven't talked with him for years. But I admire him. I respect him. He's only ever spoke and done good with regards to me. He's been a blessing. His family's been a blessing. His wife has been a blessing to my wife, what have you. I respect him. Yes, I would want to be his friend. I would want to be connected to him. There's a number of people that I don't know who they are. I don't know them from Adam. And there's a good chunk of people who as soon as I see their name pop up, I think to myself, I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know that this person desires good for me or that I can have any kind of a good influence on them. I think they're closed off. I think they're wise in their own eyes. They're closed off to anything that I would say, any kind of influence I would try to exert in their life is a waste of my time. It is casting pearls before swine. It is giving to dogs what is holy. It is answering a fool who's going to hate me for it. They don't respect me. Whether they're family, whether they're friends, it does not matter. Whether they were friends, it does not matter. Whether we used to get along, it does not matter. I'm not going to send them a friend request. It's not a popularity contest. This person is in my corner, and I know they are, even if we don't always agree. This person has always been kind to me, has always been respectful, has always been a good influence, has always 
built me up instead of tearing me down. That person over there, it's a coin toss. Sometimes they build me up. Other times they tear me down. Spare me. I don't have time for that. You know, as a point of speculation, and there definitely will be more to come as we explore this whole Oculus Quest thing. But I should like very much if the Quest 2 and whatever the metaverse is going to be became opportunities for having meaningful relationships with people in real life. These people, they still exist. You call somebody up over the phone and talk with them, that person exists, whether or not they are right there in front of you. When I pray in Jesus' name, the fact that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father doesn't mean that he doesn't exist in real life or that I'm not really talking with him. So spare me all that about what's not really a relationship. You're not really having a relationship with somebody. Back in the day when people wrote letters back and forth to each other, like the apostles in the New Testament, writing to the church at Philippi, writing to the church in Galatia, writing to the church in Rome, they were having a relationship. It wasn't all there was to their relationship, but if they didn't see each other for months or years, a letter might be all they could do practically, to stay in touch and to encourage one another, to build one another up. The church needs to not vacate these new communications technologies any more than it would be wise around the turn of the first century AD to say, ah, you know what, a lot of people use these letters. They send back and forth to promote godlessness and idolatry and worship of the emperor. And so, you know, we, we can't do letter writing either. Yeah, I just, I, yeah, I'd rather talk with somebody in person, get to know people in person. Okay, congratulations. Do that. Also, spare me the guilt trip and the condescension if I'm going to still text people, still send them an instant message. Maybe play around a mini golf with them on VR. I think the potential to play and work and learn on the metaverse, in the metaverse. I think it's very real. And I think people are people. And what you'll find is whether you're in these environments or you're on the outside of them, they're going to affect you. The question is, are you going to be able to affect them back? One last final note, and I'll conclude. And I'll probably go play some more of the Quest 2. When I announced that I was leaving Facebook, November 25th, 2020, I said never to return. And I don't recall making a vow. I don't recall saying, I promise, I swear, here's my signature. See, I, I drew up a contract which says, I do hereby swear to never return to Facebook. But I said never to return. And that was my intention. And I think that that was a mistake, quite frankly. I think this gets to what Jesus is talking about when he says to not swear by anything. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. I think this is what James is talking about when he says, don't boast about what you're going to do. 
instead say, if the Lord wills, we'll live and do this or that. Now, I have tried imperfectly to keep that command, that principle, that advice, that admonition, that guidance from the scriptures at the fore of my thoughts at all times, and I don't perfectly do that. My mistake here, I don't think, is having left Facebook. I think that was the right decision. And I think the Lord led us to make that decision when we made it. And it was necessary, as the Lord was leading in that direction at that time, for us to follow his leading. Conscience compelled me, and I could do no other. That doesn't mean it will always be so, as evidenced by the fact that I have a Facebook account again. I want to seek the welfare of the city to which God has brought me in my exile. And I do feel like an exile. And as Christians, I think that's proper for us to feel like exiles. But I want to honor the Lord with my life, however long it lasts, whatever it entails. I want him to be in the driver's seat, or at least in the passenger seat telling me, turn here, go there, now stop, now slow down. Now let's take a rest. Hey, watch out. That person's merging and not paying attention, etc., etc. I want to be led by the Lord. I want his word and his spirit to guide how I engage in these very interesting times. That's all I've got for this episode, though. I got to run. More to come. You can be sure. Feel free hit me up on Facebook if you please if you have a quest too you want to hit me up on there too by all means my kids will be using it quite a lot they have to use my account in order to access it but if you send me a message on there I'll try to respond when I can if you want to meet up play a game or something that could be cool too in any event as always thank you for listening Until next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com. 